Welcome to the Destiny Church and Throne podcast. We pray this stirs you into a deeper relationship with Jesus and equips you to live a heaven on earth lifestyle daily. Enjoy. I love sitting with the Lord um, and I was thinking about a few things last night and I want to, if I just could, uh, before I get into this, um, I want to read something that the Lord gave me uh, yesterday and uh, just follow me on this for a moment because I feel that what the enemy wants to do more than ever, whenever you begin to want to walk with him, is isolate. And the Lord has shown me a lot yesterday about the body being severed and cut off. Um, uh, Dude, that, right? That's like the presence of Jesus, right? Yeah, I can see it all over you, man. (sighs) I can see it all over you, man. It's all, it's like, it's like going in, it's like, going to your favorite store and buying whatever you want because you see such value and worth in it. And you're like, man, like, I want that. Like, I see, the, I see like, that's the Lord over you, Chris, man. It's like, he sees that, like, the worth and value over you. And he just, he wants your fellowship and your time and your relationship, man. I just see just the Lord all over you in that moment. Um, okay, just really, really quick, I want to I release this um, prophetically over our region, prophetically over our land and over us as a church. And um, I'm not going to read all of it, but I'm going to read a, a small portion. I was just sitting with the Lord, and I actually got some really close friends of mine that I trust as leaders in the region. And I actually sent them this word, and I said, hey, I want you to judge this word. Like, judge what you feel about this word. It's not unto anything particular. I just think it's something that the enemy is wanting to come against the body. So this is just a prophetic declaration of, of some things that I feel the Lord is breaking. I feel like the Lord is, we talked a few weeks ago, how I felt the Lord was starting to topple almost like elite ministry or the understanding of like rankings in the spirit, right? Like, oh, well, I'm apostle this, prophet this. So there's like this ranking that we feel like we can just like be over people and stuff like that. Um, and the Lord's been talking to me a lot about that. But just just follow me on this. I feel like what he's about to do is he about he's about to continue to expose areas of division because how many know that that's what the enemy longs to do is, is cause division, right? Like my body can't function properly if this arm is cut off. And so the enemy wants to divide. So just follow me on this word real quick. Um, Sometimes the dangers of not connecting with men and women of God around you is this. You think that you're the only one doing a certain thing. Therefore, you believe that no one around you understands or can help you. This can lead to an elitist mindset and the notion that if it doesn't look exactly, exactly like what I'm building, or like the charismatic circle says, if it doesn't fit the new wineskin, it becomes dismissed or not valuable, or much worse, the mindset of competition creeps in. We are the body, and, on, and to some degree, we are all going after something that should look exactly the same. I remember the first time me and Trent ever sat down for lunch. We said, in some way, form, or fashion, what we are building as a church should look like the book of Acts. So in some way, form, or fashion, what we're all building will look exactly the same. Another danger of limiting connection with the body and staying and, and only staying within your four walls is the increase for burnout or a one-man show being birthed. Our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it, meaning that we could miss out on functioning properly just because man doesn't see one part of the body useful or useful to our vision. Now, this morning during intercession, it's going to lead into what I'm going to teach on, but this morning during intercession, we are praying against the worship of man. That the, that the golden calf of the worship of man would be crushed in our region. And, and when, I, when, I, when I talk about the worship of man, 
It's a lot that's dealt in with man pleasing or the fear of man, but it's doing things that are making sure that man over God is made comfortable or is worshipped. And and one thing of way that looks like is you have people that will run from conference to conference to conference that one person is doing and hopes that they receive from that one person rather than just going to the bedroom and getting what they need from the Lord himself. This is an example of man worship, okay? And and, and another part of this is is the, the fearing that comes from man, is doing everything properly and necessary for your big donors, making sure that the ones who are giving the most are comfortable, that everything you do is like geared towards them. And And, and could you imagine coming into a church setting and you can't let God do what he wants to God do because you are dictated by the people who are giving money that are like, don't go too long, don't worship for more than 25 minutes, don't talk about sin, don't talk about hell, make sure everybody's comfortable, right? Speak a good message, everybody's out of here by 1145 so they can get there, get to Luby's in time for lunch, you know what I'm saying? Like, could you imagine what it's like being strangleholded by the fear of man? And a lot of times this happens to us as believers as well. In a, and it happens a lot in a place of worship, in a place of praise, or in a place of, I don't know if I want to say that because I'm afraid of what that person's going to say to me. Um, all these things in such a great capacity can be crushed with our understanding of who we are and our sonship. Now, last Sunday, we talked a little bit about what I'm going to share today, um, but I want to talk about sonship. Jesus exemplified sonship on the earth. He, he, Jesus is always the standard. Amen? Not the Apostle Paul. Not the Apostle Peter. They were great men of God. Not, not you know, John Kilpatrick and, 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 and Bill Johnson. These are all amazing men and, men and women of God. Right? Amy Simple McPherson. All these people, they're amazing men and women of God. However, Jesus is always the standard. And, and what I've learned and what I can find is that if, if I want to live my life in accordance to the way that I'm supposed to, I have to look at the way that Jesus lived his life. So how did Jesus live his life as a son? He continued to grow and mature. In fact, the Bible tells us that he grew in favor with man and with God. Okay? So he grew in favor. And so what that tells me is that there was a maturing process that Jesus had to go through. Right at a young age, he was about his father's business, yes. But, but at one point in time, he wasn't, right, because he was a baby. <laughs> he had to grow and all these different things. And so it's like in your sonship, there is maturity that God wants to bring the body of Christ into so that we're not tossed and dragged away by every wrong teaching. So we're going to talk about sonship and being rooted in sonship. All right, so I'm going to hit you with some scriptures here. Y'all good? Hallelujah. Um, Ephesians 1. Oh, we're having a birthday party at 3 today. This is like, like another cake Sunday. Hallelujah. Uh, we're going to be celebrating K.A.'s birthday at 3, is it? At 3 o'clock, next door, hallelujah. Come, bring gifts, come hang out, have fun. Uh, Ephesians 1, 3 through 5 says this. All praise to God, the Father. <laughs> Damn, we must have been going hard in praise, man. My watch is telling me, wow. There's no way I burned 400 calories drumming. This watch is a lie. <laughs> It's like, you're working hard. Um, Ephesians 1 says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united in Christ. Hear that. We are united in Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Let's stop there. Okay, I'm going to reread that one more time. Even before he made the world, 
Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Does that mean he looked at us and was like, hey, do whatever you want to do. I love you. You're perfectly fine. It's all right. And, and like this, this, this false teaching of just do whatever you want. God loves everybody. Everybody's going to heaven. There's no such thing as hell. Absolutely not. That's not what that means. Okay. What this means is that there was always a plan in advance for God to see us as holy and blameless, not through our works, but through our sonship that has come just because of Jesus. So everything that we are and all who we are is because of Christ. Amen? It's because of Christ. It says God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. Everybody say adoption. Yeah, God chose in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. So our adoption into the family of God and our sonship is yet again because of Jesus. Not the church you go to, not the church status, nothing else, nothing more. You are adopted into the family by Jesus and Jesus alone. In fact, Ephesians ends with saying this is what God wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Now, one of the things that I've learned when ministering with people is sometimes it's hard for people to understand the father's love because they had a tough relationship with their natural father. Like they had a tough relationship with their real dad on the earth. And because of that, it's hard to understand the love of God or to receive him as a papa. Okay. Like, like th this is true. We, we see this a lot. Like, and, and, and there, there could be some sitting here now. They're like, yeah, like you can have a testimony of like, yeah, it was hard for me to understand his love for me because of my real relationship with my dad. Okay. Um, and, and so my dad growing up was a hard man and there were aspects before I knew God where I thought that this person in heaven was much like this guy who ruled our household, so to speak. And he was, he loved us, but he was, he was a tough man. He was a disciplinary. He was a tough man. Um, but that was kind of my understanding, right? So, so I was always aware of some sort of deity or creator or something like that. Didn't know what it was or who it was, but my example of that was my dad. And so what we see here is that in Scripture is that it actually gave God great pleasure to bring you to himself and adopt you into his family. This destroys rejection. This destroys you thinking like I'm not good enough for what God has for me. And oftentimes churches can actually take on this perception and build onto this by letting you feel like you're not enough because either you're not giving enough or you need to give more time or there's more that you need to do to the, for the church so that God can kind of esteem you. Listen, beloved, you, you are called to be close to God because of Jesus, not because of the hours served in church, not because of the amount of prayers that you've prayed, not because of the amount of people that you've seen healed. You are called an adoption and close into the family because of Christ Jesus. Galatians 4, 7, it says, now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. You now have access to the things of God, every spiritual blessing, because of our unity and our, and our closeness with God. We now have an inheritance. So look at it like this. The things that I'm building up on this earth, when I'm gone, my children have. So on and so forth. There is an inheritance that they have access to because of them being children in my life. I like to say it like this. They can go into the kitchen at any time of the day, open up the refrigerator, and get whatever they want. That's the kind of access that they can have. Anything that they want, it's theirs. What's mine is theirs. Sometimes we think that in the, in the mindset of rejection, not understanding that we're children of God, we think that there are access and areas of God that we, that we have no part of. Finances, peace, comfort, self-control, kindness, goodness, love, 
There's parts of God that when we don't understand our sonship and who we are as children of God, we think, I don't have access to that. You guys follow me on this? You guys ever been there? Like, I, I'm not deserving of that. Maybe, maybe if I'm a good Christian for two years, maybe then I'll see some breakthrough in that area. But until then, I understand that that's off limits. Has anybody ever thought that? Come on, let's be real. Like, I, I've been there where I thought, like, the only way I could have access to that is if I did this. Or the only way that I could know God is provider is if I gave X amount of dollars. <laughs> You're his heir because you are his child. And every spiritual blessing is yours because of Christ Jesus and your unity with him. Romans 8, 13 says, for if you live by the dictates of sin, you will die. But if through the power of the spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. Hear that. Hear that. If through the power of the spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. Side note, you know, people always say like, oh, man wrote the Bible. Like man wrote the Bible. I'm not going to read it. Man wrote the Bible. You think if man wrote the Bible, they would put something in here that, like, takes away from me wanting to fulfill my sinful nature? You guys follow? You know what I mean? Has anybody ever heard that? Like, well, I'm not going to read that. Man wrote that. If man wrote it, why wouldn't they make it more pleasurable? I want to do whatever I want. Why didn't, you know? But it says here in Scripture here, through the Holy Spirit, that if, that, that, that if, if through the power of the Spirit you've put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you'll live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Meaning that the Spirit of God, as children of God, he will lead you into things that bring life, not death. He's never going to put you in a situation where he's like, mm, you should compromise your faith a little bit. Because you're a child of God. You're his beloved child, and your sonship changes cultures. When people know they're accepted and know their identity, they're going to live free, and they're going to begin to do exactly the things God has called them to do. It's one of the toughest places to be living as a Christian, wanting your life to change, but still being lost because you're not being led by the Lord. That's a tough place to be. A um, few nuggets here for you. Um, living outside of your sonship allows you to fall into a lifestyle of works. Now, I really want to hit this real quick. If you don't think that you have access to it, it's going to be very difficult for you to access it. So when you need that thing from the Lord, you're going to work your tail off to try to get it. Anything outside of your sonship and you living in that will allow you to fall into a lifestyle of works and striving. That's a tough place to be, beloved. That's a tough place to be. I'm going to close up with this because last week we talked about something that just wrecked me, and I want to talk about this again one more time. Uh, I've been saying lately that I feel like we are coming into a season where there are going to be prodigal sons and daughters that are coming into the church house. People that have been far from God, people that are running from God, people that are in a position where they're like, ah, I want to live my life in the world. I don't want any part of this. And they're going to come to a place where they're like, oh, my gosh, I need him. I'm, I'm desperate. I'm depressed. I'm suicidal. I want my own, like, this is not working for me. I want him. And I feel like we're going to come into a season where we've got to be like the dad at the end of the driveway who's just ready to welcome in his son. Right? Because we have to love people and not expect anything back from them. I saw a leader, side note, I saw a leader the other day in the church post something on their Facebook page. And I read it and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that God doesn't love me the way man does. It was something along the lines of like, if you see somebody and like you don't react to their red flags, like it could bring a lot of damage or burden onto yourself. Something about seeing someone's red flags. And my first thought was, I'm so glad that my red flags didn't deter Jesus from loving me. <laughs> I'm so glad that I don't love and am not graced by the, way, by the way man loves and graces. But I feel like we have to love people and not expect anything back from them. That is such a free way to love people, guys. 
You feel me? Like that's such a freeway. So like the dad, if you haven't read the story, it's in Luke 15. But, but the father, he's waiting. Like, he, like every day I just envision him looking for his son, looking for his son. So finally his son blows all his cash. He's done all these things, and he's ready to come back home. And the dad is at the end of the driveway just waiting and welcoming his son. But one thing that I want to say is this. I'm telling you, go back and read it. It's a beautiful story that Jesus tells. So, 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 the, um, so the prodigal son, he, uh, he packs his belongings, and, he, and he, he moved. You know, he got all his money. He got his inheritance. He left. He blew it. And he said, um, he said he was ready to come home. So the whole way home, he's reciting something to himself that he's going to say to his father once he sees his dad. He's got to remember, he got his inheritance, and he left. He blew it. He's like, peace out, Dad. I'm going to live my life. And so he's at the end of himself, and he's like, I got nothing else. So where does he know to return to? The house of God, the house of his father. So this is what he says. Um, when he finally came to his senses, he says, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. The prodigal son says, I'm going to go home, and here's what I'm going to say to my dad. Father, I have sinned against you in heaven, okay? Sinned against both you and heaven, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me in as a hired servant. You see, when we get to this place at the end of ourselves, coming to our senses, I was just talking to somebody the other day, that when they came to God, they think that there is a debt they have to pay off or work off. Like, I got I to gotta do these things to get right with God. I got to do, like, I got to say this. I got to do all the right things. I got to make sure. They put a lot of pressure on their faith rather than just leaning in on Jesus. And so what the prodigal son says when he comes to the senses is he says, I'm going to go to my father. I'm going to say, Father, I have sinned against you, but I'm not worthy to be your son. Just hire me as a servant. But the father has other plans. When he actually goes to his father, this thing that he's reciting the entire way home, watch this, guys. He returns home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both you and heaven, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But the father, without even taking a breath or even saying like, oh, no, 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 not at all. He, re, he responds differently. The father immediately says, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger, sandals for his feet, and kill the calf that we have been fattening. We need to celebrate my son is home. Do you understand that the way the father looked at the son was not from a place of a mindset of him being a servant. When you come to God and you're like, I feel like just a servant. I feel like somebody who's just messed up, who's a failure. God, just take me back any way that you'll take me back. He doesn't respond to that mindset. He responds in who you are. And he says, you're my son. You're my daughter. Bring the robe. Bring the ring. Let me kiss you when you come in. He does not respond to your mindset. Your wrong way of thinking, God doesn't look at you and say, let me respond to your wrong way of thinking. You see, because this is how good he is. He's always seen you as a son or a daughter. And he doesn't hold your sin or you leaving him over your head when you come back to the house. And so for some, I don't know, because I see some new faces in here, this might be the first time that you've come to church in a very, very long time. Maybe it's weeks, maybe it's months, maybe it's years, I don't know. But this may be a long time since you've come. And right as soon as you walked into this door, just, just follow me on this. He was ready to hug, kiss, embrace you, put, give you a robe, give you a ring, and change your, food, change your shoes. 
He wants to throw a celebration when sons come home. What does man do when we haven't seen somebody in a long time? Well, 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 where have you been? Right? Where have you been? Oh, now you're coming around. You want something? Right? You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) You only come around when you need something. This is man, right? But the father says, "Mm, I've been waiting. So I want to close up with that and letting you know that, like, the the, the Lord is longing and, and you understanding your sonship to celebrate you coming home. Sons and daughters, like, we grow, we mature, and if we look at the sonship of Jesus, what we see is that living a lifestyle of sonship is fully relying and trusting on our Father. Right? The greatest in the kingdom is not apostles and prophets. The greatest in the kingdom is not evangelists, preachers, and teachers. What does the Bible say? The greatest in the kingdom? The children. And what what are children and babies most known for? Dependence on their parents. Right? Man, like, we, we even think still it's, like, the cutest thing. Like, no, you know, the kids are, like, Izzy's making his own pizza rolls and turning the air fryer on and throwing corn dogs in. We're like, man, I remember when I used to hand feed you, you know? Like, like the greatest in the kingdom are the children. This is what Jesus said. I was even praying. I was like, man, Lord, like, less leadership conferences, more childlike conferences, right? Parents, raise your hand. Those that have kiddos, right? How dependent are your babies on you, right? Come on, like, let's be real. Like, like you know what I mean? Like, like, just think about it. Like, like, there comes this time where, like, even whenever they're older, my oldest son, even him, he's still dependent on me in many, many ways. The greatest in the kingdom are children. Children understand their sonship. Man, they understand it. They get it. They live in it. Fully dependent upon their parents. This is where the Lord wants to bring his children back to the understanding of who we are, sons and daughters, what we have access to, and the ease of it. Hear me when I say this, guys. The ease of resting in your sonship. It's not hard. If anybody ever told you it was hard, maybe, maybe there's some things that are, you're going to have to sacrifice and you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be able to, to, to glory in, in his suffering and his resurrection. Absolutely. That's all there. There's going to be moments of suffering, no doubt about it. But the ease of living as a son or a daughter is as easy as you just saying, Lord, I want to come back. And him just giving you a big kiss and a big hug. Because that's the kind of papa he is. He doesn't say, well, 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 here you come. You messed, this is the 20th time you've messed up in 19 days. It's not the kind of papa he is. It's not the kind of God he is. That's not the kind of father that he is. In your sonship, beloved, there's, and there's so much we can get in, into this. But you are no, the, the greatest thing I love about sonship is knowing that I'm accepted and that I'm no longer an orphan. That's one of the, that's one of the things I love about sonship in Christ. Sonship, knowing that I am no longer an orphan. I'm no longer rejected. I'm no longer pushed afar that I'm his. Because it's the toughest thing, one of the toughest things, trying to love other people and love God but still have a mindset of an orphan. A lot of people can get hurt. And there are ministries that are led by leaders who are wounded and hurt and they're living as orphans. And what they're instilling to others around them is a mentality of orphanism that never fully understands who they are as sons and daughters. 
You see, more than the glory and the power and the signs and the wonders and all those things, you're a son, you're a daughter, you're his. Stand with me, let's pray. Thank you, Lord.